Hello and welcome to Radio 43. This is a new weekly podcast series from Hope Not Hate. Each week on this show, we'll be releasing a rapid anti-fascist intelligence report coming straight from us to you in 15 minutes or less. This is a podcast designed for anti-fascists and journalists and really anyone interested in the day-to-day activities of the far right. This podcast takes its name from the 43 Group, an inspiring set of post-war anti-fascists who fought off the threat of the far right and whose memory lives large in the collective consciousness of those combating the far right today. My name's Roxana Khan-Williams. My name's Nick Spooner. And each week, either myself or Roxy will be sitting down with Joe Mulhall, Hope Not Hate's senior researcher, to pick out some key moments and developments from the previous week. Welcome to Radio 43. Hello, welcome to episode four of Radio 43, your weekly anti-fascist bulletin. My name is Nick Spooner. I'm joined, as always, by Roxy Carn-Williams and Joe Mulhall. How's it going, you two? How were your bank holidays? Yeah, all groovy. The sun was out. I got a tan. Feeling great. Nice. <laughs> how, was, how was yours? How was yours, Joe? Yeah, it was good. I got a, I got a sunburn rather than a tan. But other Congratulations. Than that, yeah. It was lovely, lovely yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you both had a lovely time. Um, as always, please do subscribe to the podcast, uh, leave us a review, uh, share the links when they come out. It's really, really helpful. Um, just got a couple of things to clear up following on from last week's episode. The first is um, I said last week, I've got a friend's got in touch with me and he said uh, he's from the Kent coast and he said nobody goes to the beach in Dover. So I was wrong about that last week and you were both ah. correct to pull me up on that. So. Apologies to all the listeners for that. Um, the second Fake one is news. that, yeah, exactly. Uh, the second <laughs> thing is that the uh, the National Front have been in touch with a correction. Um, Mr. <laughs> T- Mr. <laughs> Mr. Tony Martin, the leader, um, he has tweeted me to say that they didn't have anything to do with the demo and that they urged their members to stay away. Tony, if, you, if you're listening, I'm, lo- I'm looking at the flyer for the demo here. In the top half of the flyer, there's a picture of people on a demonstration holding a flag with the 14 words on it. It says Kent National Front in big letters across the top. It says Unity Demo in the middle. It says the 14 words again. And then in the bottom half of the picture, there's a gigantic National Front logo. It says Kent National Front written across it. And it says Dover 30th of January for race and nation. That's the um, date of the, uh, the, the the demo in 2016. So um, so yeah, I'm happy to, uh, to double down on that and uh, to, to add clarification. This guy, then, he, he listens to, um, he seems to listen to everything that we do at Hope Not Hate, and he's always trying to get into our Zoom calls. And, I mean, he's got a huge amount of time on his hands considering how tiny that party is. But, but I mean, he's, <laughs> so, but he does seem to be a massive fan, so I would like to say thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for your support, mate. The other, the other thing is that we've also had a bit of uh, hate mail, or I should say hate audio, which is coming from another big fan of the show. Someone with a very small YouTube channel who I've never heard of, who has a message for you, Joe. He said uh, the following. Joe, I expect you to redo your interview on your radio station pretty damn soon. And I expect an apology because my voice is there to be heard. 
I'm not there to be swept onto a carpet. <laughs> I hope he's not under my carpet. <laughs> um, he's. Uh, we've got a bit more of him, I think. He's got a list of all the things that he thinks uh, Hope Not Hate want to make racist. Uh, they go as follows. Pie and mash, that's racist as well. Jelly deals, that's racist. You know what they say about fish and chips? Look, so... <laughs> so, look, I mean, I'm a veggie. So I'm happy to say that I do think jelly deals should be outlawed, but that's because they look absolutely revolting. Um, yeah, I'll second that. Yes. I mean, look, I mean, look, this guy, right? So I'm, I say for those who don't know who he is, no one knows who he is, right? So he's angry that he didn't get included when we were talking about a demonstration last week that Tommy Robinson went to. We didn't include him because no one knows who he is, right? Because the guy's got like 2,000 subscribers. Most of his videos have like 100 views on them or something. So, so if you are listening... And I, the reason I didn't include you is, is not for no other reason than you are irrelevant. <laughs> Savage. <laughs> and to follow on from that theme, really about relevance, um, we're going to talk about two main, the two main stories really uh, to cover today are about the two demonstrations on the weekend. The one in Dover is the first one we're going to cover first of all. Um, the anti-immigration demo down there on Saturday. We gave it a bit of a preview last week on the show. Um, Joe, last week you said we'd be looking at the uh, hundreds, not thousands, which seemed like a very, very reasonable assumption. But I think, you know, no one could really have foreseen the fact that just 60 people would turn out for this. I mean, very, very embarrassing. Uh, the pictures uh, look terrible. There's more police than protesters. Um, you know, I've seen more people in a queue for a burger at a, at a festival, to be honest. So could you give me a little summary of, of, of how this day went down on Dover? Yeah. So as you say, like we, we were kind of estimating small numbers because it hadn't really caught fire within the far right. There was a lot of infighting going on, a lot of people going to other demonstrations and clearly a lot of frustration in some of the areas of the movement that were trying to set it up. But I don't think any of us thought it would be quite this bad. I mean, it was about, as you say, peaked out at probably about 60 you know there's a really heavy police presence actually um at times it seemed that the police were outnumbering the protesters there was there was four arrests two arrests on suspicion of public order offenses another two on suspicion of obstru uh, obstructing the highway but very little happened i mean uh, steve laws the guy who kind of organized it uh, has been putting a brave face on this and saying they achieved their objectives right they managed to cause a bit of a traffic jam and get some press around their cause. And there was a little bit of local press and there was a, there was a what I think an article in the Guardian maybe. So it depends how they measure it. But I think there's no way they won't be extremely disappointed with the number of people that turned out. Especially in the days that ran up to it, there was a bit of support coming in from some slightly more high profile figures. Jada Franson, formerly of Britain First, she started pushing the demonstration a little bit. Jack Walton, someone we mentioned last week, another one of Tommy Robinson's kind of associates, made a video encouraging supporters to go along but no one did. Um, so they'll be seriously disappointed by this. I mean, uh, there's clearly in the, in the wake of it, there's a lot of frustration and fighting and finger pointing. You know, Steve Laws is pointing his finger at the so-called patriots that decided to go to London for demonstrations there instead. Um, and I think they're just angry in the sense that they thought this is the issue that would kind of get a huge amount of support across the far right. And while there's lots of support for the issue, there's clearly not enough to make people come out on a bank holiday. And part of that is just a lack of organization and a lack of structures and a lack of reasons to go. But 60 people is bad. And I think they'll um, uh, be disappointed no matter what they pretend to say about it publicly. I mean, yeah, the, the, all the images from it just look just really, really embarrassing. Um, in the run up to the demo, 
the Tory MP for Dover and Deal, uh, Natalie Elfiki, she she had some pretty harsh words to say about the protesters, saying they saying they weren't welcome in Dover. And this seemed to really get up the nose of of Steve Laws, who you just mentioned. And he put out a video, uh, you know, attacking her. Um, and really, Elfiki has been she's been very hard line on this issue, but clearly not hard line enough for the likes of uh, likes of Steve Laws. She's talked previously about uh, quote boats of illegal entrance. Um, and she's posed next to a picture of a dinghy and she's talked about people, quote, breaking, uh, breaking into Britain. So, you know, she's she's pretty hard line. She's had some very she's she's had some pretty uh, some tough words to say. Um, and I think we need to say, like, it's it's not illegal to claim asylum in the United Kingdom. You can really only do that after you've entered the UK um, and the UK government is trying to warn off uh, irregular entry into the UK. But the reality is, is that there are very few, really very few options for asylum seekers to reach the UK without embarking on irregular journeys. So it kind of suits everyone on the right to talk up this uh, into a crisis, you know, very, very small numbers of people, a tiny fraction of the world's refugees. Um, and it, uh, you know, it sort of provides cover for introducing more, more hardline hard measures, really. But Joe, how successful do you think the far right are being in, in dragging the Tories further to the right on this question? Well, I think it's really important that we raise like some of the stuff that she's been saying there, because one of the dangers I think that we do as as anti-fascists often as a movement is we focus understandably on on the far right uh, and we spend a lot of time staring at it and we kind of view it almost as this kind of gangrenous limb that infects the body politic. And if we could just cut it off, everything would be fine. But her comments are a good reminder, actually, not to just just focus on the far right, you know. You, this is a podcast that looks at that. So we talked about the demonstration, but the demonstration was just 60 people where she's an elected MP uh, and is saying these sorts of things and will be being able to, you know, in parliament, the you know, a member of the party that's in government, etc. So similarly, the things we hear from Priti Patel, we've always got to remember to focus on as well where the power lies and, and the people that have the power and those people and what they're saying about migration, immigration, asylum seekers, etc. is often not that distinguishable from what the far right is saying. So while the far right offer a threat in that community and, you know, 60 far right people walking around Dover is a bad thing. Um, the MP kind of come, came out and criticised the demonstration and said, we don't need these people and tries to put a bit of distance between herself and the demonstrators. And actually some of the messaging that she's been saying isn't that, uh, isn't that dissimilar. And so we shouldn't let them off the hook just because they turn around and say, we don't like far right demonstrators if they're gonna then turn around and say very similar things themselves. Yeah, she's sort of portraying herself as an acceptable face of some of this stuff, which, uh, you know, it's disgraceful. One of the things you said last week, Joe, as well, was that you were um, you were concerned about how uh, extreme Steve Laws was was seemed to be uh, seemed to be becoming. I mean, he, he tweeted yesterday, people need to stop pandering to foreigners. This is our homeland, capital our uh, man up Britain, um, clearly very agitated after the events of the weekend, maybe a bit embarrassed as well. But he's still one to watch, isn't he, Joe? Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny, actually, because, yeah, I mean, he's definitely, I think, got more extreme in the last year. His rhetoric about what, what he classes as our country and our nation and stuff is um, is pretty, he's getting more extreme. It's kind of moved from, and you often see this trajectory. People start off saying, I only care about illegal immigration. And then a few years later, they kind of are talking in terms of whiteness and that sort of stuff. Now, he hasn't gone that far, but he's certainly on a trajectory, which is worrying. But it's interesting because Steve Laws before, you know, has been jumping up and down around the demo. The person we haven't mentioned is Alan Leggett or, or active Patriot, right? Who 
had been at the forefront of this movement for the last year or so, and just before the demonstration has seemingly gone missing. Um, so if anyone uh, has any information, please do <laughs> get in contact with us. But he's, he appears to have kind of retired in the last week or so, saying that he's kind of stepping back from politics for a little bit and he's deleted some channels and that sort of stuff. So um, Steve Laws, because now kind of the, the most notable name left in that little group of uh, citizen journalists. So he's definitely one that we need to keep an eye on going forward. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. You step, you step back. Um, there, there wasn't the only demonstration going on on Saturday. Roxy, there were some events in London, weren't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we saw um, saw a couple of demonstrations in London. Um, one of these demos was the anti-lockdown, anti-vaccine passports uh, demonstration. Managed to actually attract pretty big numbers. Um, and were blessed with the likes of uh, Lauren Fox, James Dellingpole and Toby Young. Um, Joe, other than the numbers, is there anything kind of notable about this turnout and, and anything we should kind of watch out for? Um, well, it certainly wasn't the 1.5 million people that I've seen some of the people in the movie <laughs> pretending it was. Sure. Um, <laughs> um, so it's worth stating from the outset, the numbers that there's, I mean, everyone lies about the size of demonstrations, usually on both sides of the political debate, but people don't usually lie that much. Um, but you it's know, like, it it's, it's, like, it's like people that go fishing and then they uh, they talk up their uh, the size of their catch, isn't it? It's exactly... uh, yeah, absolutely. Before you know it, they caught a whale. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and here we're talking, you know, but there was thousands of people there. You know, they were in Parliament Square for a while. It was organised by a, a kind of conglomerate of about 15, 16 different organisations, including kind of Stand Up X. And it attracted the same way that a lot of these anti lockdown uh, kind of COVID conspiracy. Uh, protests of we've seen in the last year a broad section of people you know by no means was this a far-right event there was people from across the political spectrum you kind of got conspiracists from the left you got fringe religious groups uh, and you got individuals from the far right we, we saw kind of numerous figures from for britain were there on the day so it's a broad array of people united around this movement and i think we'll have to see it was smaller than some of the ones we've seen in the past and i guess going forward they're going to continue to have demos there's a few on the horizon and I think the numbers are going to continue to get smaller as the lockdown continues to ease. Now, if the lockdown isn't eased or, or if we say go back into a third lockdown with the, because of the Indian variant in the coming months, again, I think we'll then see this movement uh, grow once more as people become frustrated. But it is a real mix of people. It's not that it's all just far right people. It's not that it's all just they're all conspiracy theorists of different forms coming together around this particular issue of lockdown. And some of them are anti-vaccine. We saw QAnon people on the demonstration at the weekend. Um, anti-5g people you name it the kind of the wide gamut that always turns up at these things were out in force again mm. so um this demo also had a, a little spin-off that ended up storming the westfield shopping center in shepherd's bush um you know there were lighting red flares and shouting no more lockdowns etc etc um eyewitnesses says shops in the center shut and workers sheltered inside and police cleared the area um what I find quite ironic is that they stormed an open shopping centre, um, which I see as a symbol of the world opening up again. But, <laughs> um, so, yeah, that happened. Um, so, yeah, elsewhere in, in the main kind of the main demonstration back in Parliament Square, um, there were protesters claiming the pandemic is a hoax. There were photos circulating at the front of London bus totally covered in anti-vax and COVID hoax stickers. Um, Joe, there's been a big emphasis on these placards and in the interviews with attendees that the media and the government are actually, you know, lying about COVID. Um, and what was also quite noticeable is how many young people were out at these conspiracy demonstrations. Um, so two questions on this. First, 
why do you think this has captured the imagination of so many people and especially young people and secondly kind of are you concerned about where this energy might go politically when this is all over fingers crossed it is yeah soon. <laughs> no well they're, they're, yeah. they're both both good questions right and um on the first one in terms of why it's a really it's a really difficult one what you do normally find is in, in moments of kind of national crisis or huge world events you often see spikes in conspiracy theories so you know after 9 11 um during, after wars or even during wars and part of that is individuals seeking to find simple kind of monocausal explanations for very complex and, and strange situations or difficult situations and so you know a world pandemic of this nature with people locked in their houses understandably some people are looking for really simple explanations to that and uh, ironically they kind of they find comfort in them at first often you'll find people saying I find real comfort and now I know how why this is happening but it's not very comforting to decide that it's a secret cabal of satanic paedophiles that are doing it that's obviously pretty terrifying if you believe mm -hmm. that so yeah. but, but it's a strange one there but yeah there is no real simple answer for for why it is I mean there's there's lots of people coming up with theories some of it is people locked in their homes for a long period looking at all sorts of stuff online and once again we can point the finger at the tech companies and social media platforms for their failure to to get on top of this conspiracy content before it took hold in the last year so just a huge amount of people are engaging with conspiracy theory content online and as a result some of them are believing it um mm -hmm. and then the young people one i think is a combination of things it's funny our polling over the last year around conspiracy theories has often showed that young people are are likely or more likely to to engage with this content or sometimes believe it i think it's a mixture of things one is understandably right if you're if you're a young person right now in lockdown you've had a year in some ways you might be really really frustrated there's lots of research about how much harder some of this lockdown has been on younger people right because they're often locked in shared houses or they're locked in um you know smaller houses they don't have gardens etc and all, all these sorts of things which make people probably more inclined to be anti-lockdown throw into that sort of spending large amounts of time online and huge amounts of conspiracy theory content being circulated on social media I guess part, some of those might come together and and kind of explain a little bit why young more young people are on these demonstrations and what about what about what happens when this is over I mean where do we think this this energy is going to go do you think is it just going to fizzle out or there's obviously the danger that it, that um, you know some of these more reactionary elements of the movement uh, pick up some support right yeah, so I mean, one of the big dangers is, is that once you start to, you know, people believe that vaccines are dangerous, or people believe that 5G is dangerous, or people believe that the lockdown isn't needed. And each of those kind of is their own conspiracy theory. But once you start to tie them together, and all of a sudden, it becomes what you call a super conspiracy. And then you start to need a conspirator. And it's not just that, you know, they're lying to you about vaccines, you, just, you all of a sudden need this secret hand, this controlling force. And when you get down that road, that's when you start to really open the door towards anti-Semitic conspiracy theories, because all too often when you talk about a secret cabal controlling things, invariably that ends up with people believing it's Jews um, throughout history. That's not new. And so one of the dangers is, is that such large numbers of people engaging with conspiracy theory content is, is that a section of those will go down the rabbit hole to the point where they start to engage with anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. And what that will take us time to see, but how many of those people go in because they're angry about local lockdown issues and come out of it in a much more kind of far right anti-Semitic way. And so that's the real worry. We'll have to see. It's, it's too early to say how much of it's going to happen. And I think a lot of it will, of course, dissipate as things hopefully come back to normal. 
um, people will, uh, you know, start to move away from this movement. And, you know, if the vaccine rollout continues to work so well, it, you know, the evidence in the face of some of these arguments becomes ever stronger. So I think it'll be one to watch, but I think it's one that will dissipate with time. And then a section of it will end up come out quite radicalised and that'll be worrying. Definitely. And I think just going back to what you said about um, we need to look where the power is, you know, Lawrence Fox, Toby Young, Julia Hartley Brewer, these people are, you know, these people are dangerous. They've been proven wrong on so, so much throughout this pandemic since it started. It's deeply concerning how much airtime these people have got to spread their nonsense. So we, we really need to be, you know, making sure that we, uh, you know, we call this stuff out. Um, Unless anyone has anything else they want to chat about, I say we. One actually, uh, there's, no, there's another demo we didn't touch on, which is just oh. a, was a very small one up in Manchester uh, on the weekend as well. There was a Unite for the Children demonstration. Um, very very small numbers. There was a few. There was some for Britain turned up again. Um, John Lawrence uh, live streamed the event. So there was, but relatively small numbers. It was kind of organised by a various groups. So it was like an anti-grooming, stop paedophilia demonstration. Um, didn't make huge numbers. The only kind of point of interest was there was a bit of infighting. Turning Point UK um, banned Anne-Marie Waters from turning up. Anne-Marie Waters is the leader of For Britain. And this has kind of started a bit of an argument in the movement about cancel culture within the right, which is, wow. which is amusing. Um, so, they're, they're, yeah, that's, there's a few more of these demonstrations lined up. There's one in Blackpool, one in Glasgow, and one in Newcastle that are on the horizon. But um, judging by the size of this one, again, they'll be disappointed with it as they were in Dover. I saw that uh, tweet they put out with the graphic, which had um, a picture from a For Britain conference, I believe, and then some people in black block. And I think they're meant to, you know, uh, indicating that they were um, anti-fascist. And they were saying both of these are unwelcome in Britain or something along those lines. Um, so that, that that explains what that was about then. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, unless anyone's got anything else, um i suggest we call it there roxy and joe thank you so much um again for all your time and thanks to everybody for listening um as usual uh please do if you have the means please do go to, go to our hope action fund and um and join that and also uh last week i believe it was last week roxy you might be able to correct me on this uh a new documentary came out on netflix called nail bomber manhunt um tells the story of the hunt yeah. for the uh the Brixton nail bomber um and the the anti-fascist mole inside the BMP it was last week wasn't it Roxy it was um it was last Wednesday yeah absolutely amazing watch such a good documentary would really really recommend um yeah amazing story like really heartbreaking but also quite a hopeful end and um yeah would definitely recommend if you have a Netflix account you go and watch that yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think there's a follow-up to be made um, with a bit more of a deep dive on um, uh, the the mole in in in. BMP. Well, don't don't worry about uh, Nick Lowell's um, has written a book or like a short mm. book um, on uh, on that story, so that will be coming out and available from our shop soon. So nice plug, Joe. That was a beautiful segue, <laughs> my friend. Ace plug, well done. You know what? We didn't we didn't even plan that. But that was yeah. extremely well choreographed. Um, so thank you. Uh, brilliant. Well, thanks so much for listening. Check back next week. Uh, see you then. Bye. Thanks for listening to Radio 43. Make sure you're subscribed and check back next week for another intelligence briefing. If you've got any questions for Joe, Nick or myself, or you'd just like to drop us a line, please send an email to our producer at jake at hopenothate.org.uk.
And if you like what we do and you want to support our work, please head to our website www.hopenothate.org.uk and join our Hope Action Fund for less than one hour's wage a month. With your support, we will continue to shine a light on and disrupt the activities of the far right. Cheers.